0: Laudato Jesus Christus. Praise be Jesus Christ and good morning on this feast of St. John of Capistrano, 14th century saint. Now, this was a man who was born in a dark time. 14th century, one third of the population and nearly 40% of all the priests were wiped out by the the bubonic plague. Try to say that 10 times fast. Um, There's a Western schism going on with the split in the church. Two or three men at the same time claiming to be pope. England and France were at war. City-states of Italy were all in conflict. Um, So it was just a really state of confusion and darkness kind of hovered over. And he came out as a great priest and Franciscan in that time, preaching the truths of the faith and how we are to live in this world to get to heaven. And his big writings today on his feast, you can see in the bravery, are about priests being the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. Now a light does not illumine itself, but instead it diffuses its rays and shines all around upon everything that comes into its view. So it must be with the glowing lives of upright and holy clerics. By the brightness of their holiness, they must bring light and serenity to all who gaze upon them. They have been placed here to care for others. Their own lives should be an example to others, showing how they must live in the house of the Lord. That's the... That's the the purpose of the priesthood, to be a light, to help guide others in the midst of darkness. It was so beautiful because in the morning prayer, based on his readings, uh, the reading was from Hebrews 13. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider how their lives ended and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Then goes on, on your walls, Jerusalem, I've set my watchmen to guard you day or night they will not cease to proclaim the name of the lord the watchmen are the priests and the prophets who are meant to protect the people from error by proclaiming the laws of god and protecting them from the darkness of all the lies that come from without and how do we do that by not being carried away by all kinds of strange teachings so the basic understanding there is that sin makes you stupid as saint thomas would say sin clouds the intellect so the more we allow sin into our life, the more confused we become. Our light, our mind becomes darkened. Grace is light. That's why there's always this contrast between light and darkness. And Christ says, I'm the light that came into the world, right, And but in this is the judgment because men preferred darkness to light because why? Their works were evil. So we can choose to stay in confusion, to stay in darkness, when we don't want to convert ourselves because we know that our actions, when exposed to the light, We'll be wrong and we'll have to change. So men often will choose darkness to light. That's our choice. Priests are called to be a light, to show truth and the way we must act. Let's talk about homosexual civil unions because it's a big topic. Just came out this week with um, some confusing words by our beloved Pope Francis. He said in a um, documentary that was just released last Wednesday and will be aired this weekend in the United States, homosexuals have a right to be a part of the family. They're children of God, and have a right to a family. Nobody should be thrown out or be made miserable because of it. Let's stop there and just say, Amen. Yes, everyone has a right to be a part of a family. And homosexuals should never be pushed out of their own families or out of churches or societies because of their orientation. They must be loved and respected. Then he goes on to say, What we have to create is a civil union law that way they're legally covered. I stood up for that. Okay, that's a big problem because that is contrary to what the church actually teaches about how we uh, deal with civil union laws between um, same-sex couples. So first off, this raised a lot of confusion and that's what I want to address today is how we should understand this in light of church teaching. So you have some people who've just been tweeting out, I just grabbed one. Pope Francis's support for same-sex civil unions is a major step forward in the church's support of LGBT people. It is in keeping with the his pastoral approach and sends a strong signal to countries where the church has opposed such laws. Okay. And then some are saying, well, it's just a translation error. You know, it's it wasn't the right word that that he used there. Um, it's not really civil union laws. It's it's more for just protecting the couple. I don't think that's true because the same argument was used with Amor Letizia with all the confusion regarding divorced and remarried couples. Um, that it was a it was a translation error that was causing people to believe that divorced and remarried could receive holy communion uh, in the church at this point. Well. No correction was given. So, if the Holy See comes out in the next couple of days, or Pope Francis himself would be even better to say, hey, that documentary misquoted me. I didn't actually promote same sex civil union marriage. If he does that, then yeah, we can say it was probably just a mistranslation. If there's no word on it, then that speaks for itself. Silence always carries its own message. What is the official teaching of the Catholic Church on this matter? The Congregation for Doctrine of the Faith, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which is binding on our conscience, 2003 wrote out a document you can find on the internet about this very thing by Pope, uh, at that time, Pope John Paul II and um, Benedict Cardinal Ratzinger. I'm just going to read it uh, straight, the last paragraph. In those situations where homosexual unions... Have been legally recognized or have been given the legal status and rights belonging to marriage, clear and emphatic opposition is a duty. One must refrain from any kind of formal cooperation in the enactment or application of such gravely unjust laws, and as far as possible, from material cooperation in the level of their application. It goes on. The church teaches that respect for homosexual persons cannot lead in any way to approval of homosexual behavior or to legal recognition of homosexual unions. The common good requires that laws recognize, promote, and protect marriage as the basis of the family, the primary unit of society. Legal recognition of homosexual unions or placing them on the same level as marriage would mean not only the approval of deviant behavior, with the consequence of making it a model in present-day society, but would also obscure basic values which belong to the common inheritance of humanity. The church cannot fail to defend these values for the good of men and women and for the good of society itself. And also, just consider this, by allowing civil unions to take place, by protecting that, um, in society, what you're doing is you're protecting people who are in a near occasion of sin. So to be in a same-sex union, it's, a, it's not sinful to have the inclination. It's sinful to act on it. And it's a mortal sin. And so what we're doing is we're saying it's okay for people to be living in a constant near occasion of mortal sin by, by living together in that circumstance assuming that they're following the teachings that you cannot act on those, um, on that inclination without grave error. So what has come out? Is that binding for us as Catholics? Has Pope Francis changed this to the point where we have to change our teaching, change our practice? The answer is absolutely not. If you had a police officer who's a friend, he comes over, he's a, he's a friend of a friend who comes over to your house for you know a barbecue or something. You burn his burger and you serve it to him, and he doesn't like the burger, and he's upset. And He's sitting there in his you know, khakis and flip-flops and whatnot, and he says, you know what? You're under arrest. What kind of uh, weight would his words carry? It'd be a little different than if you were speeding, and he pulled you over, and he's in his full gear and in his cop car, and finds you breaking the law. If he says you're under the arrest for driving drunk or something like that, immediately... It's like his words carry weight. If he does it right there, because you burn your burger, okay, you're not acting according to the law that you're called to protect, that you're subject to, and you're not acting within your proper authority right now. So your words carry no weight. You can say I'm under arrest, but I'm going to go get another burger. doesn't matter. Um, When is the Pope infallible? This is a great thing to understand, especially in this time with so much confusion coming out of uh, the news. When is the Pope infallible that what he says is binding to our conscience? It's only ex cathedra. Ex cathedra is when he speaks in union with all the bishops and according to the perennial unchanging teachings of the church. How many times has Pope Francis spoke ex cathedra in his pontificate? Answer is zero. So anything that we hear from the news or from interviews, personal opinions, does not bind us whatsoever, has no bearing on what we believe in our faith. So the problem with this though is that people can grab it. Priests, bishops who want to change the teachings of the church without being outright about it can change pastoral practice from dogmatic truth, right? So it's a a sort of a contradiction. We believe X, but we'll practice Y in order to be pastoral. Um, It's almost like, it's so what's happened with communion for marriage and divorce. We cannot, by law, by the teachings of the faith unchanging, give communion to those who are living in adultery. Right. So though, if you're divorced and remarried, you're in adultery. You're living in fornication outside of wedlock. So you can't receive Holy Communion until you get that rectified. Well, by saying we're doing a pastoral practice, by giving communion to the divorced and remarried outside the church, um, you're now separating... What we're what we believe from what we're practicing, which is um, leads to schizophrenia at best and sinful but so uh, another th- thing you could say, okay you have to get a 70 in order to pass the exam to get into this college and someone gets a 50 and then you say, well we'll allow them to go forward and we'll just mentor them through it's like well what happened to the objective rule about the seventy and if that's not true, why is it a rule right so pastoral practice should never should, should be within the law never outside of it and when we do a pastoral practice it's to bring people back into the law not to say that they're okay outside of the law because right? then you're just basically in practice changing the law so what should we do as faithful Catholics? well we should remember our leaders who spoke the word of God to us consider how their lives ended and imitate their faith. And many of them died as martyrs because they refused to sacrifice the truth of Christ, the truth of the gospel, the unchanging truths of the church, to the fluctuation of their times. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings, and you'll never lose his peace.